Greetings, and thank you for joining us for the second episode of DC Animation with Spencer and Friends. This is an LMG Podcast production. Today, I am joined by a dear friend. I am going to let this dear friend introduce himself. Hello again, this is David, one of the ambassadors for the LMG Podcast. I do like that intro. That was nice. That was great work there. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Uh, Mr. Percival is a voice that you have heard if you have listened to the League of Melanated Gentlemen before. He's uh, been featured on a couple of episodes. He is an ambassador for the League of Melanated Gentlemen. And Mr. Percival, I'm happy to have you here. Happy to be here. Appreciate you uh, allowing me to join. Oh, it's no problem at all. I'm sure this may not be your first episode. We're going to see if you want to take this journey with me uh, through more of these. Oh, I absolutely will. Absolutely. So tell me about your DC consumption, Uh, comic books, TV shows, movies, video games, anything, any DC things you have consumed. Yeah. So animated movie wise, uh, I will say this was a first. So it was it was definitely new experience. Um, I've definitely seen, you know, the vast majority, if not all of the, um, at least recent within the last, you know, 15, 20 years, live action movies, uh, video game wise, always played, you know, a few, um, always played some of the games growing up. Um, you're going to have to help me with names because it wasn't my like go-to, you know, like the Arkham games or, um, some of those were always really fun. Um, but then comic book wise, I know I've talked to you and Jordan and Willis about that at times. I've definitely not been a comic book person, uh, in my life. So, um, a lot of these things like this one we're covering today, um, was definitely new, definitely new material for me. Okay. All right. Excellent. So with that being the case, you know, as I, as you'll notice when you listen to this, we will have a wide range of expertise on this show. We will have some people who are coming in completely blind. They've never had any DC experience ever, and so they're watching this movie as it is. We're going to have some people that have a little bit. We're going to have some people that are experts, that know the comic books, that have seen all of the movies, that have a wide range of knowledge with DC, because uh, this is a very inclusive space. And I want to see where people are as far as how they feel about these movies for people who know everything and for people who know nothing and everything in between. So as I have said before, I love DC animation. It is a quality product and has been at at least since year of our Lord, 1992. <laughs> so you know, that's just that's just how I feel about it. So I really appreciate you for joining us on this journey through DC Animation. Today's film is Justice League The New Frontier. This movie was released February 26th, 2008, and the comic book on which it was based is DC The New Frontier. I'm going to read a synopsis in my own words, and then Mr. Percival and I are going to just discuss how we felt about the movie. So we open to narration from the center talking about humans' um, destructive nature and how the planet must be cleansed. After the opening credits, we are taken to Korea, 1953. 
Hal and his wingman are flying their planes when they are attacked. Hal's plane is damaged and he is forced to eject. It looks like Korean soldiers have not been made aware of the ceasefire. So when Hal lands, he is attacked and forced to, to kill the soldier that is attacking him. We then cut to Gotham, where a green man has been teleported from Mars. When the man who teleported him there dies, the green man shapeshifts into that man as a disguise to get around. In Indochina, 1954, Wonder Woman is celebrating with a group of women there and Superman shows up. She explains that the women were being held prisoner and being used for, you know, things. And Wonder Woman came through to save them. Those women killed the men that were holding them. Then Superman starts lecturing Wonder Woman about people being afraid of them and vigilantism and all that. And Wonder Woman says she did what she thought was right and shows Superman the door. We are then taken back to the green man who is watching TV and shape-shifting into the characters that he is seeing on the TV. At a casino, Iris West is interviewing a celebrity when suddenly Captain Cold comes up and robs the place. Of course, Flash shows up and Captain Cold has placed bombs around the city to distract him. Captain Cold is defeated, but briefly gets possessed by the center. And that's super confusing. But um, the center is confused because he's looking at Flash like, why are you faster than these other humans? I don't I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's fine. So John, the green man, has been working as a detective with Gotham PD. He walks in on Batman fighting a bunch of cult members preparing to sacrifice a child. A fire breaks out and John is pretty much useless once that happens. Uh, they defeat the cult, but the center possesses one of the members to let them know that they will be judged. Hal is training with Rick Flagg to get on a spacecraft to Mars. Batman shows up and Batman shows up to John's house and suggests that they work together, but also lets him know that if he needs to be dealt with, that won't be a problem either. Because Batman don't play around. No. John finds out about the Mars mission and Flash retires from superheroing because he is being hunted by the government. John shows up at the Batcave and gives Batman the information that he has gathered um, over his investigation. He also lets Batman know that he is leaving. He plans to return to Mars because humans are just terrible and ignorant and racist and all of that. No, not <laughs> one bit, Spencer. So uh, John isn't able to get on the rocket. The engine fails and uh, the engine fails on the rocket and Rick Flagg tells Hal that there are weapons on board. Hal is ejected and saved by Superman while Rick Flagg blows up the rocket and John is taken prisoner. Wonder Woman is training when an ominous shadow appears. Hal is abducted by an aircraft and taken to uh, Abin Sur. He explains that he is that sector's Green Lantern and he was on his way to help fight the center, but the explosion that Rick Flagg set off has mortally wounded him. So he wants to give Hal his ring. Superman and Batman are going over the research when they hear a giant pterodactyl attack. So Superman takes care of that, and Wonder Woman crashes in the invisible jet, letting Superman know that the center is on its way. John 
has hope in humanity and wants to help save everyone from the center. The center is presenting as a giant island and begins attacking. Superman goes to investigate and is shot down by the center. Everyone bands together to devise a plan to defeat the center. The fight begins and John is immediately incapacitated. Faraday dies trying to save him, so then he gets his shit together and starts going to work. Hal makes it into the center's core, but shit starts getting weird, and the Guardians give Hal some lantern ring instructions, and he is able to save himself and his wingman. Uh, Flash is able to destabilize it, and Green Lantern yeets that thing into space where it explodes. Aquaman drops Superman off on the surface, and the movie ends with a JFK speech and a montage of things and DC characters that fans will recognize. America. That's how it ends. <laughs> yeah. Barry America. Yes. Mr. Percival, what were your thoughts on this movie? So, I mean, as you know, first time around DC animation, I was a big fan of the animation style. Um, I thought you just like, you know, the action sequences, just the general just look um, I was a big fan of. Um, I also thought just voice acting wise, I thought they had they had a bunch of big names that, you know, I didn't really anticipate seeing those like Neil Patrick Harris and, you know, John Hurd and other <clears throat> other names. So it's just like I didn't I didn't really know what to expect going into it, but it was it was a good time. Um, it was funny just because I definitely have more of a, you know, MCU knowledge base just some of the things that there are similarities between, you know, DC and Marvel, just like, for example, just the first like 20 minutes kind of had, or maybe not 20 minutes, but the first 15, 10 or 15 minutes kind of had a civil war, like, you know, uh, butting of heads between, you know, Wonder Woman and uh, was a Superman who showed yep. up to the Island and stuff like that. And you could just kind of see, and I think that's just something you probably see across DC and Marvel, just where there are very similar, um, not like plot points, but um, I don't know the word I'm trying to find. Um, but it's just not, it's just, I don't know. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, so I'd like to get your thoughts on it since you are more of the expert and how closely it followed the comics and whatnot. So I think that it did a very good job of following the comics as far as I know. And I think that the style, the art style was very good and it was appropriate and it made sense because when you look at the comic books and then you look at like the style of art and cartoon from that time period, it definitely made sense. Like whenever I think of cartoons from then, I think of that kind of art style absolutely um and so i think that based on the time period in which the movie took place the art style made a lot of sense mm -hmm. and i yeah i think it fit and all of that now with the actual movie this is the only time that i've ever seen the center um i don't know that i've seen the center in anything else which is fine but yeah the center was an interesting villain i felt I think, like the center was somewhat lame if you yeah yeah it, it just didn't yeah 
I'm I, yeah, I'm I'm not mad at that. Um, because I mean, it was a floating island that was pretty much like, I'm going to cleanse the earth of all. Yes. Of this, I mean, and we've seen that type of villain before, but we've seen it done better. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, as far as Marvel goes, like Ultron had that kind of like humans are a disease and we need to yes. get rid of them, and we didn't see that done super well in the movie. But most of the other things that Ultron has appeared in, like Ultron, is a serious problem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's always got to be something that brings them together. Now, the one thing that I'm not 100% sure about, I'm not sure how established the Justice League was because we have, you know, the Justice Society and the Justice League of America and then the Justice League. And so there's there's different iterations uh, depending on the time period. So I'm not sure how established the Justice League itself was, or if this was supposed to act as the thing that brings them together. But one of the things that I thought was interesting about this movie is that it plays with the idea of the morality of the United States being a little more nuanced and a little more complicated than it was before. Because one of the things that's mentioned is like, you know, in World War II, it was very clear. Like the the Nazis are bad. That is the that's that that's what it is. Nazis yeah, are bad. We're not good. much argument there. Yeah. There's not a lot of room to negotiate. But you know, in a post-World War II era, things are a little more complicated than that. And the people who are, you know, supposed to be the good guys aren't doing very good things. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there are differing views on how to handle certain things, because as you mentioned, we saw Wonder Woman and Superman having kind of an ideological um, conversation about, you know, Wonder Woman saying, no, these women were abused and they were in a terrible situation. And all I did was subdue the people that were oppressing them and they made a decision and I wasn't about to stop that decision because I think it was the right decision. They should be lucky. It wasn't me is kind of what wonder woman said. And then Superman was like, yeah, but we shouldn't allow people to kill other people. And wonder woman was kind of like, yeah, we shouldn't allow people to enslave others either. And that's what was happening. Mm -hmm. So them being gone, don't bother me, Clark. And so, you know, it's one of those things. And one of the things, one of the reasons that I wanted you to watch this movie was because I wanted to see if you caught one of the similarities that I caught, because along with the rough time period, uh, you are a Disney person and Mm -hmm. a Pixar person. And so... I know that you are very familiar with The Incredibles. And I didn't know if you would see the same similarities between this and The Incredibles that I saw. Um, Definitely not when I was watching it. I did not make that connection. Um, I'm sure you will provide me multiple examples as to what correlation you saw. Um, But now that I can kind of think through it, I mean... You know, 
I think I'd like to hear from your side and let's see if I can, you know, piece that together because off the top of my head, I cannot make that connection. So outside of just the time period, we kind of see a situation where superheroes were at one point, you know, pretty okay to do stuff. And then we move into a time period where superheroes are having to deal with some issues and the public is not quite on board with superheroes because in this particular movie i think that they are dealing with a lot of mccarthyism so accusing superheroes of being communists and that being you know related to their secret identities thing Mm -hmm. and so they kind of do a all right we need you to either work for the government or we need you to register in some kind of way. We need to know who you are. And then we have some superheroes that are like, yeah, I'm not really about that. So I'm just going to kind of do stuff, but over here on the side. Yeah. And I'm just like, not tell anybody about it. I'm just keep a low profile, (laughs) but also keep everybody safe, you know? And so it reminded me, I think the combination of the time period and the, you know, pre- flashback i mean we're not really giving flashbacks but like just the things that are mentioned are you know superheroes are cool we like them because there's something going on that needs handling and then the public starts to be like um i don't know how i feel about this um i i think we should like not do that and and i'm not saying it's you know just super direct connections but it felt kind of like the incredibles borrowed from this a little bit I mean, as far because, you know, the comic book came out in the 80s, but uh-huh. I and, and that's just what I noticed. The Incredibles is one of my favorites. And so right. that may be why I like forced a connection. But it's, no, I mean, I could definitely see that. I mean, Incredibles is top tier. Uh, absolutely. But just the I mean, I can kind of see that where, you know, just kind of them still trying to, you know, fit into society, but then also just the kind of butting aheads when. I think it was the, when the flash showed up to um, like with the military and, you know, they, you know, point the gun right at him and like the butting of heads and then Superman shows up and just kind of like, Hey, chill. <laughs> We're all in this yeah. together. Kind of whatnot. So no, I can definitely see that. Yeah. And then, you know, at the end of the movie, the people were like, Hey, we, we like, we like superheroes again. Cause they, no, Hel- right. helped us and, and got us through this whole thing. And, you know, we also see in the flashbacks that there are a bunch of things that happen, but that's just, you know, a connection that I saw. Yeah, and, absolutely. And again, I may be forcing it a little bit, but I don't, I'm not saying that it's like a one-to-one, but it felt like there was some inspiration that may have happened for the Incredibles from this comic book or others like it. Oh, for sure. And so we see, you know, one of the things that happens a lot in comic books, and I see it very specifically in DC, is there will be an alien or somebody who shows up and they're like, you know, humans are the worst. And then they spend some time with them or, you know, they, and of course, humans are the ones writing this. And so it makes sense that 
everything would turn out to be like, oh, humans are actually great and wonderful and super. (laughs) Yeah, like humans end up being the greatest species by the end of it, according to aliens that could wipe the planet clean if they wanted to. Yes. Because we see that with Superman. We see him say, you know, I love humanity. Humanity's great. I want to do everything I can to save humanity, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, yeah, but Lex Luthor is human and he's... (laughs) He's killing everybody. (laughs) Yeah, like Lex Luthor's a problem. And Lex Luthor, understandably, because Lex Luthor's like, nah, you could end all of this and I don't like it. So I need to be ready for that. Like Lex Luthor is just Batman with a different agenda. Yeah. And so Martian Manhunter kind of comes to the same conclusion. He's like, humans are pretty terrible. And then later he's like, oh, wait, they're actually, they're actually pretty cool. And yeah. it's like, you, you, you sure have seen a lot of negative. Um, and, then and then one positive thing and like, oh, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Like you see now, and I will say it was, you know, a combo because he and Faraday kind of helped each other realize some things Mm -hmm. because, you know, when Martian Manhunter got there, he didn't have any feelings toward humans, but he keeps reading people's minds and being like, Oh yeah, people are terrible. All these news stories. And cause that's why the flash was like, no, I'm done. If I'm going to be treated like an enemy by my government, then I can't continue to do this Mm -hmm. because the flash was, you know, helping people and doing hero things. And then he had a gun pointed at his head. And he was like, no, that's no, I can't, I can't do this anymore No, because, you know, that was putting his lady in danger and all of that. And so I definitely get that because uh, yeah, one of the things, and then one of the things that happened uh, while flash or during flashes, like, Hey, I'm quitting moment. Uh, we see that the news story is that um, John Wilson, who's going by John Henry uh, died at the hands of the clan and it's like that you know unfortunately that's humans in the 50s and 60s like that's yeah that that's how that would have gone and flash goes on tv and is like he was a good man and that's what happened to him and i can't have that happening to me so uh let me just go ahead and and, and step back um yeah i'm gonna see y'all later and so I think that this movie does a good job of incorporating history into the whole picture and taking elements of truth and a lot of things that actually happened and building a story kind of around them and kind of inserting uh, their own superheroes and their own characters into some of these, you know, potentially real moments that could have happened. Yeah, it definitely makes it relatable and, you know, you can really make that call back to history and definitely makes it feel, I mean, obviously, you know, it's a TV show and comic book, but definitely makes it feel more realistic because it's like, oh, I mean, kind of like what, I mean, this is completely different, but how like with the boys where it's just like, you're like, oh, this could happen in real life. But like for this, it's obviously completely different animal, but um you know what I mean? As you can yeah. kind of make those callbacks to like society. No, I know exactly what you mean because the boys does a lot of, we're going to use this show as an allegory for exactly what's happening in real life. Mm-hmm. 
And the boys does that very well. Yes. The boys does a good job of putting a spotlight on some of the worst, worst parts of these United States and the dangers of capitalism and the people who are in power uh, basically hurting people and making sure that certain people are not held accountable for the things that they do. And yeah, you know, all of these things are so true. And I would say that the boys does the boys is realistic in that regard Mm -hmm. because the characters in the boys, in my opinion, are a lot more human. Yes. Because we do have good people in this world, but I think that we are painfully aware that if there were people that actually had superpowers, that it would be monetized in the way that it is in the boys. 100%. Yeah, like it absolutely would. And I like that, you know, we have stuff like DC Comics that is a little more uplifting. It gives people hope because we see bad things happening and we see people getting hurt, but we see a lot of people that are you know making the right choice and that are doing the right thing for the right reason because they don't have to do that uh they don't have to go out of their way to try to make sure that the defenseless are defended and Mm -hmm. so we can see a lot of hope and inspiration through those things yeah definitely i did have one quick question so with the and this might be something we continue to see just as we continue this series in these watching these movies but um kind of the style of this movie where they would like each scene it was they were kind of shorter scenes and it would just focus on you know one hero and then jump to the next one as someone who isn't super familiar with the heroes and you know seeing them without their you know suits and everything that looks could be confusing at times but it's nice to like individually show each one of them in their different circumstance and then bring them together but i didn't know if that was a style that the kind of the animated movies did repeatedly or if it like that was just this movie or if you kind of see what i'm saying i do and i will say that for group movies um that does happen i'm not gonna say that anything is standard because since there are so many of these movies and since they're all, you know, handled differently, because there are some of them that we will talk about later that exist in the same universe, but Mm -hmm. these beginning ones are very standalone. And that's one of the things that I like that DC does. They do standalone things that don't belong in a larger universe. And they also do connected universe things as well. So I like that a standalone item is an option because it feels like for the MCU they are that is not on the table at yeah. all. And I mean people want a connected universe. Mm-hmm. And so I get it and they can, you know, they say that there are some things that are not connected and it's like no, it happens in the same universe. They just may not deal with any of the other things we already know about. Yeah. But it's very clear that like mm-hmm. no, this is this still exists in the same uh universe. So I can't, I will say that there are other movies that do that. And there are even some shows that do that. So for example, in the latest season of Young Justice, which I highly recommend, the first 
half of it is we're spending a couple episodes with different characters. So we'll spend four. I don't know if these are the exact numbers, but like, for example, we spent the first three episodes with Artemis. We spend the next three episodes with Zatanna. We don't see Artemis at all. We just see what Zatanna is doing. We spend the next three episodes with Rocket on a completely different planet, handling Hmm. some political nonsense. And then eventually they all come together and kind of be like, oh, well, this is what I was doing. Oh, this is what I was doing. So we do see that formula whenever we are dealing with multiple people at a time. This story primarily focuses on the three people that we see the most. We see mm-hmm. Martian Manhunter, we see Flash, and we see Hal. Um, yeah. Those are the three that uh, I would say get the most screen time in this movie. And those are the three whose journey we're actually kind of going on because Superman and Wonder Woman and Batman, they just kind of show up. Mm-hmm. But this is not about them as much as it is about the other three. And that's another thing that this movie kind of does that's not normal in this formula. Because we know that if we're going to call a big three, it's going to be Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. Yeah, absolutely. And this movie makes a decision to say, we are going to focus on these three other people Mm -hmm. that are arguably just as important. And I think that that's something that that's a good thing because we've seen Batman, Superman and Wonder Woman. So yeah. like we, we know what's going on with them. Absolutely. Um, and as we go through the series, you'll notice that there are a lot of standalone Batman <laughs> movies, a lot of standalone Superman movies, a lot of movies. that's just those two together. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we've got in a, the next episode, Batman, the episode after that, uh, Wonder Woman. Gotcha. I guess that does. I mean, those are good points because this one being my first DC anime movie and it is a bunch of characters. Well, I mean, obviously Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash, like I'm familiar with them, but it being the first one I'm watching and, you know, I knew Hal Jordan was um, Green Lantern, but seeing him not really necessarily knowing too much about his backstory. So that's kind of, I guess, why it was confusing because I'm kind of starting with a movie with, you know, six or seven characters versus a standalone movie with Batman or something like that. So, yeah, but no, all those points make sense. Yeah. And I think that's a good reason or that that's one of the good things they did here because they're introducing you to the characters that you're less likely to mm-hmm. know how they got here or what their situation is. And then they just show Batman being Batman, Superman being Superman. And then, yeah. Yeah, they just showed them because though that's that's what they do. Like yes. we we know what those three are probably up to right now. Yeah. And so I I like that this movie does that because a lot of people just know that Hal is Green Lantern but don't know how that happened. Mm-hmm. And so we don't see him as Green Lantern for very much of this movie. Like no, he not is, at all. Yeah, he is Hal for the majority of this movie. Yeah, and some and, of those scenes I kept being like, "Hey, use your powers." And like, oh, well, he's not Green Lantern yet. <laughs> he's not. He don't have that yet. Um, and that's one of the things that I like about this is we see him as a pilot for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, I would. It may be an hour in before he uses his ring. Oh, hundred percent. And the movie's an hour fifteen. Yes. So <laughs> he, uh, we see Hal far more than we see Green Lantern, and. I like that about this movie because Mm -hmm. 
that's not like a lot of people probably had no idea that Hal was in the Air Force and that he was a pilot and how a lot of this happened and how these events brought him to being Green Lantern. Yeah. Now, of course, there's deviation because this story is told a thousand times in a thousand different ways, but that is usually who Hal gets his ring from is Abin Sir because Abin, Abin Sir was mortally wounded and is like, somebody worthy got to take this ring. Sometimes Abin Sir is like, you, I pick you. Sometimes Abin Sir dies and then the ring flies off and is like um that guy yeah <laughs> we pick him so you know it just depends but gotcha. generally that's how that goes so nice. um some of the things that we see at the end of the movie because we end kind of just on a montage of things that again fans will usually recognize pretty immediately but you know may or may not we have um we see Lex Luthor doing capitalism, and I noticed that it was Lex Co. And usually it's Lex Corp, or at least mm-hmm. as far as I'm familiar with his company, it's usually called Lex Corp as opposed to Lex Co. Um, I thought that was interesting because it it would I mean that's probably something that it that has happened. Like it probably was Lex Co. at some point or in different books or you know whatever. But I'm used to it being Lex Corp. Uh, we see the Justice League getting medals from the president, and they it it's it looks like it is John F. Kennedy. While he's speaking his giant speech. <laughs> yeah, while he's giving his speech. And so I think that I mean, and that speaks to what time period we're definitely in when the movie is happening. Uh we see the Doom Patrol show up and some Cold War propaganda. The Doom Patrol is DC's version of the X-Men, even though it's actually the other way around because Doom Patrol came out first, I believe. Okay. So the X-Men are actually kind of a copycat of the Doom Patrol. Ooh, don't tell Jordan that. He'll be fine. But I will look, I will, I have no problem admitting that in my opinion, X-Men did it better than the Doom Patrol did. But like there's a smart guy in a wheelchair as their leader and mm-hmm. It's a group of outcasts that, you know, have been brought together to better the world. Yeah. That sounds like X-Men to me. <laughs> Pretty similar. Yeah, you know, just a couple couple things, couple, uh, you know, notes that they took from that. Um, we see John Henry and his son. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know... In a lot of stories, John Henry becomes Steel. If you have seen the Terrible Shack movie <laughs> from the 90s, then you may know Steel. Uh, but hopefully that is not your only point of reference for Steel. We will be discussing Steel much, much, much later uh, because we have a movie or a sequel to a movie that we'll talk about later that he is uh, a part of. Okay. But he is uh, connected to Superman in most of his iterations. Uh, We see Rick Flagg's son talking about how, or not talking about, but he's, you know, giving a presentation like my hero, my dad, because Mm -hmm. he sacrificed himself and saved the world pretty much. And we've seen Rick Flagg in Suicide Squad. Okay. uh, In the live action Suicide Mm -hmm. Squads. So... 
we saw him, you know, as the leader kind of in the first one, uh, the leader as in the person that was appointed by Amanda Waller to be their leader. Gotcha. And then we see him in the second one, you know, and he and Peacemaker have their encounter. So, yeah, um, we see the Teen Titans get formed. Good old Teen Titans. Yeah. Um, and we see they were, I mean, it was definitely the Teen Titans, but looking at them, it felt more like Young Justice, but that's just because of the roster that it was <laughs> like those either way. Um, Young Justice and Teen Titans are essentially the same thing. Okay. But they were never, I guess, called Young Justice. Like Young Justice was the name of the show, but they were just kind of called the team. They never had a name there. (laughs) Yeah, they never. I don't know that they ever had an official name in the show because their whole thing was they were covert and they did their work behind the scenes in the shadows. They did a lot of the things that were not client facing, if you will. Um, We see a bunch of villains that show up and, you know, that's one you can just pause it and see. I know that guy. I know that guy. Mm -hmm. I know that guy because there were a bunch of people that showed up on there. Uh, we saw, I mean, just off the top of my head, I remember seeing Darkseid. Um, we saw the Joker. I'm pretty sure we saw Grodd. We saw Brainiac. We saw Black Manta. You know, just a bunch of villains that show up in the DC universe that we will probably see some of, if not all of, later on as we explore these movies. Yeah, no, I enjoyed that uh, little montage at the end and just kind of gives you kind of a picture of you know more of you know the dc animated world and no it was it was a fun movie yeah and then we also see one shot that's pretty iconic and pretty relevant because starro as far as i know is what actually brought the justice league together the first time it was the like world threat that everybody had to join forces in order to defeat um starro shows up in the second suicide squad movie the second live action suicide squad movie we've seen starro in other things um starro shows up in batman brave and the bold starro shows up in young justice actually um starro is a giant starfish alien type thing that creates little copies of itself attaches itself to people's face like a parasite and then they if you have a starro on your face you then become a slave of starro oh and so Starro takes over planets that way. Okay. Um, and the Justice League had to defeat Starro. So I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, back in like the 50s, that was the world threat that brought the Justice League together. And one of the stills in the montage was reminiscent of the cover of that comic book. Very so, cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Speaking more on the center, I just, I'm not going to say I was disappointed, but it was <laughs> you just. Can, you can say it. You can say it. <laughs> uh, I just thought it was like, I mean, it's a weird floating island that was, that had uh, prehistoric animals as its defense. Yeah. And then even when they flew inside of it, it was like, oh, it was, hallucination. But it was an acid re- trip. But you're really okay. And it's like, there really wasn't anything that... Because that's the thing. Like, oh I, that, I wasn't sure about that because 
they were like, hey, don't believe any of the weird things that are happening. And they were also like, but they're happening. Yeah. So, so are they happening or not? I also wouldn't fly straight into something that looks like a giant fireball. And then it turns out it was just a bright light. Yeah, because we saw that, like, the thing that they flew into is what obliterated Superman. Yeah, that's why I was a little uh, confused about that. See, I'm not driving, I'm not going straight into that. But no. these are men who knew, like, they were like, no, we 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 know what we signed up for. True, true. But, yeah, like, I'd be thinking, no, that's a laser. Yes. A big-ass laser. <laughs> and if it decides to shoot while I'm on my way, that's not going to be good. Yeah. If it took out Superman... I'm not flying into that. Yeah, I'm just a human. (laughs) I'm a guy in a vehicle, and Superman died, as far as we know. Yes. So, uh, no, I'm not doing that. No. But, you know, it's fine. It's cool. Um, One of the things that we do see that this, it's very standard for DC to do this, and I hate it, but I get it is to incapacitate Martian Manhunter. We see this in most of the things that he's in Mm -hmm. because Martian Manhunter is a fucking problem. Martian Manhunter has so many powers. We know that Martian Manhunter can shapeshift. We know that Martian Manhunter can fly. Martian Manhunter has both psychic powers. He's telekinetic and telepathic. He can get into your mind. He can do all of the mind things. And he's a very strong telepath and very strong telekinetic along with the super strength and the flight. And he's able to get a lot done. Like, we saw that once he, you know, snapped out of it and, you know, got right after Faraday died, he started ripping those things apart. Uh-huh. Like, a Martian Manhunter No, he's a is, problem. He is a problem. <laughs> and yet, a lot of times when we see him, we oh, just <laughs> over there, just, just. He just folded down with his arms crossed and yeah, just like. A... He's just, he, and I'm like. He's he shouldn't be useless. He should be ruining a lot of people's day right now. But that's a normal thing that we see from him. Mm-hmm. We see him, you know, be in a situation where he has to be nerfed because he could end things quickly in a lot of cases. Yeah. Now, in this case, I guess it's fine because we know that the center has some sort of tele pathic abilities because it was able to possess people and so we know that it has mind powers and so the fact that it just started attacking john makes sense but i'm like so why wasn't it attacking anyone else was yeah. it only able to attack martian manhunter because martian manhunter had mind powers or like i don't I don't, that's one thing I'm like, I don't don't see any reason to that logic. Yeah. And, oh, another power. Uh, Martian Manhunter can turn invisible and phase through solid objects. That's how he got into the Batcave. He just has a lot of everything. (laughs) He can do, between Martian Manhunter and Superman, the majority of the powers are covered. Yeah. Like, the powers that just exist that a lot of people only have one of, those two 
equal like 10 or 11 people together. Yeah. So Martian Manhunter is a problem. And unfortunately, we often have to see Martian Manhunter get nerfed because if Martian Manhunter was able to just let loose, it would end quickly. And Mm -hmm. that's one thing that I'm happy that Young Justice did because we see Martian Manhunter's quote unquote niece, um, McGann, who's, you know, a very powerful Martian. We see her do some stuff and it's like, see, that's what a Martian can do. (laughs) We see her get things done. And, you know, she doesn't always do it in the cleanest way, but we see that she is a very, we, we see through her that Martians are very capable. Yeah. In Young Justice, there's, you know, she has a brother who's, you know, causing some ruckus as well. And so that show does a good job of like demonstrating now Martians are a serious problem. Yeah. The more you talk um, about this Young Justice, the more it makes me want to watch it. It's a very good show. I yeah. highly recommend it. Um, like, especially like, because the first two seasons, masterful. Yeah. Just so good. If we get through the movies and, you know, this uh, show does well, we might have to talk about Young Justice. Because oh, that I'm is, down. yeah, that is DC animation. So if you're listening to this, you know, take this journey with us and on the in-betweens, go watch Young Justice. It's very good. And, you know, I just want to point out that DC, all of DC's animation is good. Movies and shows. Because we have, you know, all of the Justice League stuff. So, you know, uh, Batman the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited. We have all of that. We have Teen Titans. It's a great show. We have Young Justice later on. We have Batman the Brave and the Bold. There's there's a, an excellent there's so catalog. Much. There is so much that an I ex- have a lot to catch up on. <laughs> yeah, excellent catalog. Static Shock is good. Like, there's there's a lot. So, back to the task at hand. Um Mr. Percival, what would you rate this movie on a scale of 1 to 10? You know, as a someone who, again, was very unfamiliar with this going into it, I had a great time. You know, I'm, I'm a pretty easy critic, or I'm not a critical critic, um, but I'd probably give it like a 6.5, 7, where... I had a good time with it. Now it's hard to like, what am I comparing it to just scale of one to 10 or, you know, when we talk about movies in MCU, it's like, a, you know what I mean? It's yeah. standalone. Um, I don't know if I, since I have so much to catch up on, I don't know if I would watch this one particularly again, but now that I've seen it, it does get me interested in watching more. And that's kind of all I could ask from this. Okay, good. Good. I will say, and I've, I'm sure I've said this before, but this movie is very early. So there's a lot. This is number two of many. And this movie is from before DC started to create a connected animated universe through their animated movies. Um, and every standalone movie is going to be its own thing. Like, I would say as far as quality goes, all of the movies are at least pretty okay. And 
I would say of all of them, this one probably in the bottom half. Like we have not even started getting into the ones that I get excited about. And so this one is, I would also say, you know, seven. Um, and that because, gets me really excited about the rest of the movies. <laughs> yeah. Like that's the thing. This one is pretty good and it's on the lower half, in my opinion, if I recall. And I've seen all of them at some point, but I'm, you know, re going through this journey and I'm excited about some of the movies we're going to get to. So, no, that's awesome. But I mean, I thought this one, you know, it was pretty good. Like it was better than I remember it being because the first time I watched it, I remember thinking like that movie was just all right. But this time when I watched it, because the first time I watched it, I was watching it with like teenager eyes. Um, I mean, older teenager, but teenager nonetheless. Um, This time I watched it with adult eyes and I had much more appreciation for it because, you know, when I was younger, I just wanted to see a bunch of fighting and, you know, cool shit. And there was some cool shit in here, but like, not just like overly, like it wasn't a lot of over the top fight choreography and, you know, all that. And that's fine now. I still like that. Don't get me wrong. Like there, there are going to be some of these movies that like, I like them because of the violence. Or no, you need that of, action pack. You need that. Action hey, pack. Like that's, that's a part of why this world intrigues me, but I was able to appreciate what this movie had in it. And a lot of the things that it was able to speak to and the historical context. Those, those are things that I can appreciate a lot more now than I did as a youth many moons ago. So I enjoyed this movie. Uh, If you're listening to this, hopefully you've already watched it. And hopefully you will join us on this journey through DC Animation. In the next episode, we will be discussing Batman Gotham Knight. So until then, salutations. Salutations.